You are about to listen to a message preached at Jubilee Christian Center, a parish of the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Word, Purpose, Worship, Family, and Community. These are the things that we are about at Jubilee Christian Center. Do check us out at experiencejubilee.org. Thank you and God bless you. Good morning. It's a new season. Father, we thank you for this morning. We give you praise, we give you honor, we give you all adoration. For indeed there is no one like you. There is none that can compare with you. We know that in heaven you are God. On earth you reign forever. And you will always be God. We bless you, Lord. Spirit of God, we ask that you will help us here this morning. Help us to hear you. Speak in words that we will understand. Thank you, Father. Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise the Lord. In the last two weeks, we've been talking about starting with God again. And the first week was taken by Pastor Ezekiel was, um, where are you? And this, we all understand, was from the first book of the Bible, about the beginning of the fall, the temptation and the fall of man. And one of the things I got away from the first lesson, first um, message, was when God asks such a question, where are you? The question is, where are you supposed to be? And why is God asking you where you are? And what will your response be when God asks you, where are you? Or what should your response be? If God asks you, if God were to come down and look at you straight in your eyes and ask you, where are you? Because we know that God knows everything. So why is God asking where you are? You must be somewhere you're not supposed to be. Disobedience, a broken relationship, always leads to this question. That's what I got from that first. And then the following week, we looked at who told you. My job this morning is just to recap, so don't worry. Who told you? And the question there is, whose voice are you listening to? Is it the voice of God? Is it the voice of the enemy? Or your own voice? The summary of these two, and even for everything, is that God used two direct questions. And it was directed at Adam. But they were questions of accountability. Accountability for his sin. For his misstepped. You know, and God does not and will not overlook sin. He will never overlook sin. No matter how close you are, or you think you are to him. God never leaves his own, his loved ones, his children in, in a state of dislocation from him. You, you, God will always come back and ask those questions. God never goes away. We are the ones that draw away from him. Because when Adam and Eve saw that they had falling and things are broken between them and God, what they did was to hide. And that was why he was asking those questions. 
Those were direct questions from God. And these were directed at Adam. God will always gently and firmly confront sin in your life. But most times we ignore his confrontations, his promptings, his questions. We push it aside and try to live the way we want. But God will not leave any one of us alone in our sins in Jesus' name. And so this morning, um, I want us to look again at that Bible passage, Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. We are familiar with this. so um, But let me just read from the top. Genesis chapter 3 from verse 1. Let's take it from verse 1. Sorry. Let's take it from verse 1 again so that I can get a perspective to this. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has thou as God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Stop there. One of the things I, I, I found out in this study was the fact that we all have this picture of the serpent. It's a snake slithering through Eden, trying to find a way to make man fall. But you must understand that the serpent did not become a slithering animal without legs until after the curse came upon it. So, it was not exactly what you think it is. Most times the enemy does not come the way you imagine it to be. It comes in a very deceptive way. And more so, the devil saw a need to use the serpent in the form that it was. It must have been, and this is not in the Bible, it must have been quite beautiful to look at. It must have been attractive for Eve and Adam to be attracted to it. It must have had some features that draws them that will have drawn them closer to him. And there are so many things in the world today that draws us from where we are supposed to be. They look nice. They look beautiful. They look enticing. And they draw us away from God's presence. And that's what the enemy used. And that's what the enemy uses every time he comes to confront us. And so let's just move on. Verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. Verse 3. But the fruit of the tree, which is the midst of the which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, "You shall not eat, nor shall you touch it." God did not tell them not to touch it. God said, "You should not eat." I don't know where if got her own translation from. Although God had told Adam specifically, "You should not eat," but Eve added, "Touch." You know, when you extend God's word beyond what God says to you, the devil takes hold of that extension. And that's what he uses to attack you. Praise the Lord. Let's go to the next verse. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Go on. For God knows that you are among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. That's when 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 we when we have these challenges we we always have these challenges and, and the fallout of some of these things always is fear and shame fear and shame you know when god 
makes himself available to us. It is not the presence of God most times that makes us fear. It is ourselves, the things that are in us, that makes us afraid. I, I, sometimes when you, the way people behave when they say they come into God's presence and they, they try to picture it as a church, when you come in, ah, no, today, you, you see it when you give uh, Holy Communion. Some people don't want to take it because they think maybe they are not holy enough to take, or maybe they've done something. It's out of fear, out of shame. But it, it is right if you respond well to it. Let's go on. Adam's response in this case was, um, and he said, who told you that you were naked? Having, have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Adam, Adam responded, and then the man said, the woman whom you gave is not accusing God. And remember that when God created man, he created he male and female. It wasn't until Eve was brought out of Adam that there was a female. We need to understand that. And so, accusing God right now, somewhere. praise the Lord. Let's move on now. My own passage, verse 13. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me. And I ate. Now, my question is, What were they even doing near the tree? This particular tree has been, you have been told not to eat of it. There were several other trees, including the tree of life. It was there. But what were they doing around it? But that is not for us to answer. But now, the tone God used here was not accusatory. It was not um, condemning. God's tone was mellow and reconciliatory. God had come to seek out man who had fallen. The question was not without condemnation, but it was not condemning. Because if there are several ways you could read this. You could have, what have you done? What have you done? You know, that will send fear and chill. But this was, I believe, was a lot mellower than in a, in a more subtle way and God was just one just disappointed that man had done this. What have you done? It's as if to say, don't you know that my plans for you are for good and not for evil? What have you done? Don't you know that my, the end that I have for you is much, much better than this? God is asking us this morning, what have you done? The things that you did that have separated you from God. The things that you did that you cannot wait on God. The things that you did that has compromised your faith. Those things that God is looking at you and asking you this morning. He's asking me this morning. It's as if you have truncated God's plan for your life. Don't you know that I've loved you with an everlasting love? Why have you done this? What have you done? Don't you know that everything that I've done is for you. I've put a plan in place for you. As he did, spoke with, um, as he spoke with Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God had a beautiful plan for man, not to die. 
to enjoy what he enjoys, to be like him. And you know, when we, we, we conjure up the image of God, we, we tend to see God as one, I don't know, for, for, for most of us who grew up in churches where images were used. And that's why he was able to name every single animal. He was God personified. That was the, God, that was the plan that God had for man. And just one moment of deception, man threw everything away. And God was disappointed. For someone here this morning, sometimes God wants you to be patient. There are decisions that you want to make. And, you, and God is telling you to do something else. And it sounds as if what God is telling you to do is not what looked plausible. It's not what might take you to where you think you need to be. God is saying, be still and know that I am God. That's all he's telling you this morning. Just trust me, for it shall be well. Right now it looks as if it's not well, but it shall be well in Jesus' name. What have you done? You know, the whole world belongs to God. He has given it to man. And then man threw it away. We have been given all things to enjoy. Just as it says in First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. We have been given everything. Everything that life in life has been given to us. But yet, we threw it away. The freedom that existed between Adam and God, that freedom was just thrown away. But the sad truth always remains that we are always giving away everything that God has given us. Because we always, always look away from God and think that we know the right thing to do. There are things that are rightfully yours. You throw them away. We are always impatient. Refusing to see the big picture as God sees. And the thing about God is that he does not show you the whole picture. Because he wants you to drive everything by faith. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to believe him. He wants you to hear him every second. And you know, God... I imagine God shaking his head. And just looking. And seeing his children making the wrong decisions at every turn. The truth of the matter is that... When God gives you instructions... I was telling some people yesterday, this Satan that we know as the enemy, he was called the cherub that was a covering of God. For millions, maybe of years, he stood before God. He imbibed everything that was God. He had everything that, that God, he, he was there. He saw everything. He knew who God was. The Bible calls, uh, when, when Paul was talking about God, he says, he dwells in an unapproachable, unapproachable light. God dwells in unapproachable light. And yet, the devil was there in that unapproachable light. He was with God at the beginning. He was there. He saw everything until pride was found in him. The pride was from a place of knowledge, of wisdom. And that was how he got man to make this mistake. Because he had known God 
in a way that was not um, that should have been a way that will help him to even dwell more with God. But when pride, when knowledge brings pride, that's what I'm just get, trying to get to. It was his knowledge of who God was that brought him to a place of pride that brought his fall. And so he wanted man also to know God in a way that man was not ready to know. And so man fell for that. And each time you see pride welling up in you, you know that you are telling God that he doesn't know what he's doing. God knows you. He knows everything about you. He called you by name. He, before, if you read Jeremiah chapter 4, even from verse 1, chapter 1 of Jeremiah, God called him. Imagine God calling somebody's name 200 years before he was born. Cyrus was named long before he was king. Hundreds of years before he became a king. God called him by name. That tells you that God knows everything about you. So why would God put you on the path of destruction? Just as the enemy was trying to make man see it. Therefore, God expects us to stand when he gives us instruction. He expects us to wait for him. He expects us to be patient with him. He expects us to listen to him. Praise the Lord. And one of the things about this question that God asked, as I said earlier on, God did not come with condemnation, but he came in a way to reconcile man back to himself. But there are various ways that God speaks to us. Sometimes God does not come that way. God can speak just as he did with Elijah in that cave. God can open different, a different door that will help you to see where you need to go. The wages of sin is death. That was why the curse had to come. God had nothing to do with it, but he had to. That had to happen. But sometimes, because of Jesus, the story that we tell is different. And so, when man fell, and the cause came. When the cause came, the solution also came. And that was where the operation of restoring man back to God came into being. Where the story of Jesus began in Genesis. And that is where you and I find ourselves. Jesus is the Savior. He steps in to bring us back, to reconcile us back to where God wants us to be. That's the story of salvation. That's the story of the change that God has intended for from the beginning. It was not the end. It was not the end. God wants you back to complete his plan. God wants to restore us back to peace, joy, love, and life. But the enemy has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. God wants you back. God desires that you step on that line that he has set from the beginning. We went off that line. And he wants you back. That's the message this morning. The devil is crafty. We all know that. But he can't succeed except you fall into sin. Praise the Lord. In First Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5, say, be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks like a roaring lion. The word there is like, is not a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. Resist him 
steadfast in faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal, his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. The devil is crafty. Until you succumb to his temptation, he has no hold on you. The things that he's throwing at you right now, that is making God to look at you and ask you, my son, live there, my daughter, live there. Until you fall, fall in into that temptation, God is not going to ask you, what have you done? And so, the best choice to make is to run away from the enemy. To fulfill your glorious destiny, you need to seek God always. Never leave his presence. Even in the face of temptation, the way to turn is to turn your back on the enemy and look for the way that God has created. He said he has created a way of escape. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, there's a way of escape in every temptation that you find yourself. That is what you should be looking for. And only God can tell you if you pay attention to it. Sometimes, as I say, God speaks not as loud as he did with Eve, not as loud as he did with Jesus in, in, in John chapter 12. He whispers as he whispered to Elijah in that cave. You need to be close by to hear him. Be violent against the enemy. Don't stand and try to as Eve was discussing and trying to understand what he was saying. The enemy's plan is to draw you in. And the best time to run away is at the beginning. Take charge of your destiny. Never, never allow the enemy a foothold. As I said earlier on, when Eve misinterpreted or just misrepresented that word, the enemy knew that she didn't know what she was talking about. Why didn't he go to Adam? We need to know the word for ourselves. And we need to speak God's word as he has directed us to speak. This morning, as we round up, I draw away from us. We draw away from him. This morning, I just want us to ask that you draw your clothes. Ask him to draw your clothes. So that his words to you this morning will be comforting. His words to you this morning will be words of grace, of mercy, of love. Put your head on his chest and ask him to speak to you. When we call him Father, it's an endearing word that a child shares with his father. Be a child again. It is time to start with God again. So many things in our lives is distorted. It is time to put them right. When God made that plan to bring Jesus, it was for you and I. And if you're here this morning, you have not accepted his plan of redemption, it is also time to talk to him. It is time to ask him to give you life it is time to seek him to see the fullness of what he has laid out for each and every one of us
Speak to him this morning. He's talking to you. He's saying, trust me. For some of you, he's asking you to trust him. Trust me again. Trust me one more time. Trust me one more time. Trust me one more time. For some of us, it's as if there's no way back. There is always a way back to God. You can never go too far that God cannot draw you back. He knows you, but do you know him? Ask him to reveal himself to you. Ask for an encounter. Ask for an encounter. Ask for an encounter. Ask for an encounter. You need to encounter God. You need to encounter God. Lord, we bless your name, O oh God. For those of us who do not know him, and already you have, made, you have prayed that prayer, I just want to pray with you this morning. I pray, Father, that for those who have prayed a prayer to know you, reveal yourself to them. Break them free from the circle of sin, of addiction. Break them free from sin and eternal damnation. Accept them. Make them your own. Put your mark upon them. Let the power of the Holy Spirit come into them this morning. Let there be a turnaround in the name of Jesus. For those who are questioning their existence, Lord, reveal yourself to them. For those who have lost hope, give them hope in the name of Jesus. For those who think there is no way, create a new way for them.